south in Mexico. Some of you guys probably know where, I, where I'm talking about. Uh, some places are Cancun or Tulum and stuff like that. And those, the area is famous for those places. Uh, but I'm going down so I can be able to reach the Mayan people. And so some people say, there's still Mayan people around? Yeah, there's still Mayan people around, and they're down there. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that here in a minute. But um, I'm going to play something for you on the guitar. It's just part of my uh, life. The Lord let me learn when I was a young kid. And uh, as I grew older, I started doing more and more with it. And since I'm out of breath because I'm out of shape, I'm not going to sing for you. I'll just play a little bit for you guys. So I learned a little bit of a style called chicken picking is what they call it. I don't know why they call it chicken picking, but that's what they call it. And so I learned to add that into my music, and, and I just play different hymns. I heard you guys singing hymns. I love to sing the hymns. Um, and so here's a little medley of them. It goes...
as I got older, I got out of shape, and I can't sing that well when I start to move around too much, so that's not good, but uh, I'm grateful for being here with you guys today. It's an honor to be here, and I haven't been to Houston in a while. Last time I came, well, I know this is Dickinson, but Houston area, last time I came, I didn't realize it, but we were picking up a guy from the cartel. I didn't even know that. And they didn't tell me that that's what we came to do. And then I find out why we were there. Uh, but thankfully, everything went well. It was just a guy that they had brought over the border. Uh, so that was an experience. So I was like, man, I hope nothing happens when I go back to Houston. And so, but I'm glad to be here with you guys today. And uh, my sending church is Iglesia Autista Nuevos Horizontes. Does anybody here speak Spanish? A little bit. Somebody does. Lo habla muy bien o más o menos? Más o menos, no. I know he speaks it well. He's got a good accent. Uh, and so I grew up, uh, I grew up actually as a missionary son. My parents are missionaries to Mexico, Earl and Yolanda Yates. Uh, my dad is from Kentucky, and my mom is from Mexico. So that's why I have an American name, but I don't look like I'm very American. Like, it's kind of a strange thing, and some people kind of get confused. A lot of the uh, uh, white folk think that I'm Mexican, and a lot of Mexican folk think I'm white. I, so I'm just, I'm just whatever you want me to be, that's fine with me, I don't care. Uh, but I grew up in a missionary home. My parents are missionaries to, um, to that area in Mexico. At first, they were in Tamaulipas, uh, Mexico, which is really bad right now, the situation that's going on there with the cartels and stuff. And then they moved all the way down south uh, to the peninsula um, when I was about 10. And so I, I was able to grow up kind of seeing a little bit of the life there. So my parents are missionaries there. And uh, when I was about 13, my parents came off the field, so I came with them, and we settled down in Fort Worth for a while, and I started getting involved with the church that is now my Sydney church, uh, which is a little Spanish Baptist church that's there uh, in Fort Worth, and, and Pastor mentioned earlier that they have no, you guys have no plans to take Baptist off your name. Well, neither do we. we we're Baptist, and that's how I grew up, and I believe that its distinctives are very unique in comparison to other people, and to, so I, I'm Baptist. And uh, I'm excited to go down to, to Mexico. And um, my, I went to a school called Norris Bible Baptist Seminary. Uh, it's in Fort Worth, Texas. It's not anything too big, but basically I was trained by all kinds of pastors. I was able to hear uh, the, the ideas of all kinds of different pastors, which were all pretty much independent Baptists. But I was able to hear a lot of them and see what they, they thought of, of different issues. And so it was, a, it was a good time for me to be able to learn and form the convictions that I now hold to. And so I'm excited to, uh, to see what God wants me to do. But during my time that I was in... Um, in seminary, I, I struggled a lot with what I was going to do with my life. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have a lot of purpose. Uh, so it was really hard for me because uh, I, I was 21, 22. I'm 25 now. Uh, and so it was, it was hard for me because I was growing older and I felt, I mean, I know I'm not old, but I felt like I was getting older. And uh, as I got older, I felt like I had no purpose. And, uh, and that was really hard for me. And so then the Lord put it in my heart to go down to Mexico. And I'll explain a little bit more of that here in a minute. Um, but my parents down in Mexico, so somebody asked me earlier, are the people receptive to the gospel? My parents went back down to Mexico as missionaries a, a few years ago. And he said, are they receptive to the gospel? Well, it's really hard to say yes because uh, they're very Catholic people. And if you've dealt with Catholic people, especially from Mexico, uh, it's really hard to get across to them. Uh, and they say they believe in Jesus, but they don't. They believe that 
they have to behave themselves or they have to finish the uh, sacraments that they have or they have to die being part of the church in order to get into heaven. And if that's not how they die, then after that, they try to, you know, do all these rituals and pray for the dead and stuff like that, which is obviously not biblical. And so uh, it's really hard for them to, to uh, grasp that. And sometimes they can be really, uh, get really mad at you, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, they'll get upset at you for trying to t- preach them the gospel. So some of those areas down there in Mexico, if you saw a picture of the peninsula, um, they have towns that might be twenty to 30,000 people, so bigger towns. And then connected to those towns are villages, all kinds of villages that range from four or 500 people to 1,300 people. And so those, those people are all grow up in their tradition as Mayan indigenous people, and then they grow up uh, in Catholicism. So it kind of mixes together, and it makes just a big mess, and it's really hard to get to them. So what my parents did was they decided they were going to start a clinic. And my mom and dad started a clinic, and they used that clinic to do medical brigades in these different villages so that we can be able to reach the people. Uh, so we do all kinds of medical brigades. We have all kinds of medical equipment that churches in the United States donate to us. And we take all those things and we're able to go down to Mexico and do these medical brigades and uh, reach the people with it. And I'm going to explain a little bit in deeper. I want to show the video first before we do that uh, so you can get a little bit of the feel of what the life is like there. So you can see what the people is like uh, there. All those videos and all the footage you see are people that I know, people that I've been with. Uh, people that I've witnessed too, and those people are currently there in those uh, those areas. So you're going to get to be able to see a little bit of the life and a little bit of what it's like uh, to be there. And the video will explain a little bit too of the mission field and where the Lord has me. So can we go ahead and play that? Is that okay? This is the Yucatan Peninsula. Located at the very southern tip of Mexico, it is a land of much beauty and mystery. And a home to a people thought to have been long lost in time, the Mayan. It is a place known for its vibrancy and color and beautiful landscapes. The people are tightly knit to both their culture and traditions. The ancient Mayans used to rule the Yucatan Peninsula with great power and flaunted their skills in mathematics, architecture, and cosmology. Many people think they all died out, but their descendants are still inhabiting these vast jungles. In some ways, their foods are not foreign to the American taste bud. They love to eat anything from pork, chicken, but there are some things that are a little foreign. These are people that work hard with their hands in order to eat, build, and survive. There are deep cenotes that pepper the peninsula in underground cave systems, beautifully colored lagoons with different shades of blue and oceans with some of the clearest waters in the world. This land is truly a paradise to many. Though it is Mexico, the peninsula seems like a totally different country. The 
The majority of the natives still speak the Mayan language, and there are some who only speak Mayan. Many of the people live off their lands, the fruit it yields, and the animals it's home to. These are the Mayan people of the Yucatan Peninsula, living a seemingly simple life. You might even think that they enjoy every second. But this could not be further from the truth. Since the 1500s, the Mayan people have been taught to follow a religion that was forced upon them. The Spanish conquistadors not only brought sickness and diseases to the Yucatan Peninsula, but also a false Christianity that over 87% of the people still hold to. Today. The ancient mind worship of many gods has not left, but has simply been repackaged to look more pious. The Catholic Church and its leaders have done nothing but harm to these people. They would rather follow a tradition of man than to accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Catholicism has also bred different kinds of superstition and occulted practices amongst the people. Drunkenness is rampant. Iglesia Bautista, Nuevos Horizontes, 
under the leadership of Pastor Amir Garza. My desire is to be able to share the life-changing news of the gospel to a people enslaved to traditions. The goals are simple. Evangelizing, church planning, and discipling new converts to do the same. By the grace of God, I've already been able to make several visits, taking part in witnessing, preaching at different local churches, and ministering through music. I ask that you please pray that the Lord will continue to open doors as I embark on my journey to take the gospel to the Yucatan Peninsula. So that's a little bit of the life there in Mexico, and uh, you got to see a little bit of the people and the foods that they eat, uh, a little bit different than here. And uh, so when I was uh, in, in seminary, um, I started to uh, go to, to school, and I was getting my studies. Uh, but in all honesty and fairness, uh, I think I could say that I, I was not really completely given over to the Lord. I, I was... I got saved when I was 14 years old at my church, and as I grew older, I kind of, I, I did want to have a relationship with God, but I was uh, just struggling with letting go completely of the world. And so for about three years, of my first three years at school, I struggled a lot. Uh, I really didn't know what I was going to do, what was going to happen after I finished school. I didn't know where I was going to go. Uh, I almost quit school. I almost quit seminary and thought, you know what, I'm just going to go do something else with my life. Um, but thankfully, I had some good teachers that uh, that talked me out of that and said, no, just try to finish four years. And I finished four years uh, of school. And um, once I finished four years, I knew, OK, God definitely doesn't want me to to go where I was going to go. And uh, I thought, well, I guess I'll just stay here in Fort Worth and I'll open a construction company. That's what I wanted to do. I, I like that stuff. And uh, and I'll just make some good money and I'll have a nice place and a nice house and I'll just work at my church, my local church there. And I thought that that'll be good. You know, that that sounds like a pretty good plan, like any American's dream. Uh, and so uh, I started to do that. And and then in December of 2021, uh, I decided I was going to go see my parents in Mexico. I hadn't been to Mexico for 10 years at that point. So it had been 10 years since I'd been to Mexico. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Mexico and see my parents and see all the people that I used to know when I was a kid. And so I went down there in December of 21, and uh, it, was, it, it felt like I had never left. I really expected to, it to be very different, and I thought I was going to get sick to my stomach because of the food and all that stuff, but it just felt like, like I'd never left, like this was part of my life, like this is who I was. And when I came back to the United States, I struggled a little bit with that. I thought, well, maybe that's what God wants me to do. Uh, and I talked to my pastor. I said, look, pastor, I think this is what God wants me to do. And he said, Tyler, let's just wait. I don't want it to be an emotion. I want you to know that that's what God wants you to do, which is really important. And so I thought, OK, uh, that's what I'll do. And uh, I, I still struggled, however, with letting go of the things of the world. And whenever I in January of 2022, I was at my school. I was taking some extra classes and I was sitting down in a chapel and a pastor was preaching. And uh, in that moment, I thought, you know what? I need to give up everything and just do what God wants me to do. 
And that's what I decided to do that very same day. I decided, you know what? I'm, I'm done listening to the things that I used to listen to. I'm done watching the shows and movies that I used to watch. Uh, I'm done caring about the things like I used to care for. I'm done with that. I decided in that day that I was going to do everything that God wanted me to do. And whatever he asked me to give up, I was going to give up. And that's when I decided, you know what, this is where I'm going to go. This is what I'm going to do. So that same day, look, I know you guys are Texans. I hope most of you guys are Texans. I'm a Texan. Man, I love my guns. And I had my guns. And I had AR-15. I had a shotgun. I was going to. Man, I was going to have a nice place. I thought, you know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to make good money. I'm going to get some more guns. That's cool. I like guns. And that same day, I thought, you know what? I can't do that. I can't take that stuff with me to Mexico or else, you know, they'll put me in jail or the cartel will kill me. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to get rid of it. And so that same day, I went out and I sold my AR-15. I sold my shotgun. Uh, I just kept a pistol so whenever I'm around here and doing stuff, but I got rid of everything else that I couldn't take with me. I thought, that's it. I'm just going to have what I can have to take with me to Mexico. And I got rid of all of it. Uh, my friends were like, man, dude, you're really serious about this decision, aren't you? I was like, uh, yeah, I'm very serious. I, I know what it's like to live what I want to live. I know what it's like to do what I want to do. And it's horrible whenever you're not doing what God wants you to do. And I struggled a lot with that, and, and it was a, a thing that for me, I fought and I fought, and finally I got to the point where I decided, you know what, I'm going to go all out. That's it. I'm going to go out and I'm going to follow God. And Philippians 1, six it says, being confident of this very thing that uh, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I remember years before that I got saved and I knew that God wanted me in ministry. I, I always kind of knew that. I just didn't know where I was going to start. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, and I just kept trying to put it off to the side. I thought maybe I'd go to the border patrol. Maybe I'll go do these different things. And I realized at the end of the day, that's not what God wanted me to do. And I was not going to be satisfied in life until I followed what God wanted me to do. And finally, in January of 2022, I decided, that's it. I'm going to do what you want me to do, God. I'm going to give up everything to do your will. And I say that because a lot of Christians struggle with wanting to know what God has for them in their life, their purpose in life. Well, the truth is, I don't think that you can find the purpose that God has for you until you finally surrender to him and fully that you say, you know what, I'm done with the world. I'm done with the things of this world. I know people who are Christians, or at least they say they're Christians, but uh, they do all kinds of stuff that would otherwise say they're not Christians. And for me, that's a strange thing. Why would you call yourself a Christian, but you go to the concerts where they're drinking and people are half naked and you're listening to music that's horrible? You say that you're a Christian, but you live these certain kinds of ways, and then you're trying to figure out what God has for you, but you can't figure it out. Well, that's because you're not walking with the Lord. If, if you've even come to Christ, you're not even walking with the Lord. So I decided at that point that I was going to give everything up and I was going to follow the Lord. And that's what I did. And so the Lord put it in my heart. I knew for sure. I knew that that's what God wanted me to do. And so I started deputation in May of, of 2022 uh, to, uh, to be able to raise the funds that I need to be able to go down to Mexico and take the gospel to those people. And so going back to the people down there, the, the Mayan people... They're not what you expect. Uh, the Mayans, like you think of the Mayans and you think of people running around in loincloths and stabbing each other and cutting people's hearts out at the pyramids and stuff. Well, that's what they used to do, but they don't do that anymore because, you know, they have all the humanitarian issues that comes with that. Uh, but they're, they're, they don't do that stuff. 
But you would be surprised that a lot of those people actually still believe uh, in the ancient gods of the Mayans. How many of you guys know of the pyramid called Chichen Itza? Has anybody heard of that? A few of you guys have. Chichen Itza is a, one of the seven wonders of the world. It's down there in Yucatan, and it's about uh, two hours or an hour, uh, I think, east of Merida, Yucatan. And it's, it's a big pyramid. I mean, you walk in there, I think it's, it's taller than this, than, than, almost taller than this. It's, it's huge. And you walk in there, you're just like, wow, you see this, it just blows you away to see it in person. Uh, well, that statue or that pyramid was made for the god Kukulkan. Kukulkan is the feathered serpent god. And a lot of people have probably heard of the feathered serpent. And so I went one day, I thought, I want to go visit it. So I was there and I went to go visit and I was talking to the people that, that are selling stuff to the gringos. That's what they call, you know, white people, gringos. And so uh, I was talking to them. I said, I said to one of them, because they live in the area, they're natives. I said, hey, I got a question for you, man. I said, do you still believe in Kukulkan, the god of this pyramid? And he said, yeah, that's our tradition. And, and we're Catholic, he said, but we still believe in them. And so you'd be surprised that there's still people down there that actually still worship those gods. Uh, so you think of Mexico typically as a very Catholic place, and it is very Catholic, but Catholicism brings in a lot of other problems with it too. And so it breeds all kinds of stuff. There's obviously all kinds of superstitions that they have down there. Uh, if, you're, if you know Hispanic people, Mexican people, uh, you know, you'll hear about how they take an egg. If you have like these bad omens and they'll put this egg over you and try to clean you and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. That's kind of crazy. Huh? Oval. Yeah, it, yeah it's weird. It's, it's strange superstitions that they have. Uh, and so these people down there believe in all those kind of things. And um, they, they have no uh, purpose, I would say. So I go down there and I see people who uh, grow up very poor. They, ha- they don't have much. Uh, I mean, just to have what you guys have here is amazing down there. They don't have anything in comparison to this beautiful building. And so down there, these people, they, they don't have much, and they, they grow up poor, and they see dad uh, beat their mom, and dad is a drunkard and beats their mom and has another family somewhere else because that's just how they are down there. Uh, and then you grow up and down there, you have nothing, and then you take those ideas and your, those things that your dad did, and then you start drinking, and then you have a family, and you beat your wife, and you beat your kids, and you have a family somewhere else. And then one day, those people, I've seen people passed out drunk on the streets, vomited and urinated all over themselves on the streets. And, and I think to myself, how, how can you live that way? Do you really think that that is a life worth living? And so their life goes from a bad life, and then one day they die, and their life goes to a worse life. Because they end up in hell for all of eternity. And the problem is that they never ever get to know peace. They never ever get to know what it is to have peace in their existence because someone hasn't taken the gospel to them. And so my desire is to be able to go down there and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ because I believe that the Bible has answers not just for eternity, not just for you to have eternal life, but that you would have a good life in this life as well. I think that the more a Christian walks with God and we look in the Bible, it gives us the remedies to a physically healthy life, an emotionally healthy life, a spiritually healthy life. And spiritually speaking, it starts with coming to Jesus Christ uh, and asking Him to be your Savior. 
And so that's my desire is to be able to take the gospel to those people and my desire is to plant churches. I want to work alongside my parents with the clinic to get into these villages and plant churches. Uh, I believe greatly that churches, the, the goal of the church is to reproduce itself, is to start other churches. And so I thought, you know what? That's what I want to do. I want to go down there. I want to establish churches. I want to train the people that get saved, baptize them, train them, and show them that they too can take the gospel to other parts of the world. And so that's my desire uh, to be able to go down there and do that. It's easy to say it. I don't know how hard it's going to be. I haven't been there yet. Uh, But please pray that God would give me the grace to be able to do that because I really need it. And the people down there, someone's asking me about how they are. The people are are very different than Americans. uh, I I would explain them that it's kind of like the Native Americans in America, right? They're they're American, but they have the citizenship as an American, but they're a distinct people. And down there, that's kind of how they are. They're, they're Mexican, but they're a distinct people. They have their own language, the Mayan language. Mayan is very distinct from Spanish. And so they have their belief systems and they have their traditions as Mayan people. And these people are, are very uh, closed off. So if you went down there, uh, they, they would see somebody who maybe is, uh, uh, looks like they come from another country like the United States. They probably wouldn't even look at you in your eyes whenever you say hello to them. They're just so uh, kind of like, you know, almost like they think of themselves as less than everybody else because of their poverty situation and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and one of the things that I say when I go to churches, and I hope not to offend anybody, but one of the most racist people I've known are Mexican people. And the Mexican people were actually very racist towards the indigenous people and mistreated them and did all kinds of horrible stuff with them. And so the indigenous people kind of see themselves as inferior to the rest of the world. And so it's a really sad thing to see that. But my desire is to be able to share with them that Jesus Christ died for them and that they have worth as much as any other human being does. And that they too can do some great thing with their life if they would give themselves completely to God and give themselves to Jesus Christ. And so it, the people down there are uh, a little bit strange. They're, they're a little bit different. They live off of their fields in a lot of ways. They have uh, um, like all kinds of awesome fruit down there. I mean, you think you have fruit here in America, man. If you go down there and you see the fruits they have, it's just amazing. And the prices are a lot better, too, than here. It's, it's crazy. In, in America, if you want to live healthy, it, it's more expensive to live healthy. So it's kind of crazy, you know. Down there in Mexico, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do better with my health because... Uh, you know, as you get older and you live in America, you know what happens. And share the gospel with these people, uh, start churches and be able to uh, uh, have them um, go to churches and be able to train them and then be able to start churches out of that and help people uh, to learn the word of God. And so I've been there a few times already in the past year, about four times. I've gone, gone and come back since uh, the flight is not very long, two and a half hours, and it's not a very expensive trip. Um, I'm able to go here and there, and I just go down there and visit. And in June, I'm going down uh, for about a week and a half. I'm going to go down there as well. And one of my, well, I have several things that I want to do, but one of the the really important things that I want to do down there this time is I want to go talk with this man named Eladio. And Eladio, when I went down there uh, last time, I was talking to him, and I asked him, I said, Eladio, uh, do you still believe in the gods of the Mayans, the ancient gods? And he said, well, he said, yeah, I do. I said, like the God of the rain and the God of the forest, the feathered serpent God. He said, he said, yeah, I still believe in that, he said. As a matter of fact, he said, we still take offerings uh, to 
that God and we still offer things to them so that they can give us rain and fruit and stuff like that. And uh, so I thought that was that was really interesting. And I just wanted to pick his brain. Uh, I wanted to be very careful so that he wouldn't just cut me off. So I wanted to form a relationship with him. So this time when I go down in June, I want to be able to go down there and see him. Well, the other day I was texting him. Uh, I got his number. I texted him. I said, hey, Ladio, this is Tyler. Just want to see how you were doing and, and how are you guys doing. And he texted me back. He said, well, I'm not doing too good. I said, what's going on? He said, my father died about 15 days ago. And my mother and my father-in-law died about eight days ago. So just one right after the other. He said, so I'm doing, he said, I'm having a rough time, he told me. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to be praying for you. I shared a little bit of the word of God with him. And uh, I told him, man, you know, I want to be able to go see you when I go down there in June. So, Lord willing, I want to go down there and be able to share the gospel with him and, and, and challenge his worldview and say, hey, you know, those gods that you have, none of those gods can forgive your sins and none of those gods can take you to heaven. There's only one God that can do that, and that's Jesus Christ. And I want to be able to share that with him so that he would know at least if, if, he's, if, he, doesn't want it, if he doesn't want it, well, that's up to him, but at least he knows. And, and I was able to tell him. So I ask that you please pray for that. And so I'm excited to be able to go down there to Mexico uh, and share the gospel with those people. And so that's just a little bit of a summary of the life. There's a lot more I could talk to you about. Uh, but I wanted to see if anybody has any questions uh, as to that. Pastor said you guys can ask me anything. You guys are welcome to ask me uh, whatever you guys have to that. question and yes, I'll sir. take this mic around to whoever has one. One, uh, when, you, when you're talking to somebody, and I, I know the people you're talking about, Lisa and I have gone to about 30 times to that area. Yeah. Uh, we visit, we love it there. It's just a great place. The Mayan people are everywhere, and you can tell who's who. Yeah. But when you're talking to someone who doesn't know a thing about the Lord, they don't know a thing about your Bible, where are you going to start, and what's your plan to bring somebody that doesn't know anything to true saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? How's that going to work? What's your plan? Well, I would say uh, that one of the things that I look at, uh, like you said, is to see what, where they are, kind of what they believe. Uh, and if they have no knowledge of that, it's kind of like what Paul did uh, when he was in Mars Hill. You, you start from the beginning. Say, listen, this is what God created. God created the heavens and God created the earth. That's why the Bible starts in Genesis. Uh, and then my desire is that through that I could show them uh, how the, the Bible says that there was a, a creator that created all things, which they have belief systems of that because they know that there's a creator, except that they believe in many gods. Uh, but uh, that just doesn't, it doesn't make sense for there to be many gods if there's one God that has rules all over, over all creation. And so then be able to share with him the gospel through Genesis, share with him the fall of man, and how that through the fall of man, every man uh, is become a sinner. Every man is going to die, uh, not just physically, but spiritually. And that there was a man who was a representative of all mankind, which I know if I said that kind of like that to him, I'd have to explain it. I can't just tell them. They, they might not be able to grasp that necessarily, but just share with them, listen, you know, the first two humans that ever created uh, Adam, who was representative of mankind, uh, he failed at what he was going to do, and he sinned. And so the next representative is Jesus Christ, and he is the representative of all mankind, and he wants to be able to forgive you and change your life. The thing is that a lot of them, they do kind of have a little bit of understanding of the Bible in the sense that because of Catholicism, they have that kind of understanding. 
The problem is getting them to realize, just like anything else, because it's not just Catholicism, that you can't work your way into heaven. You can't behave yourself well enough to get into heaven. The Bible says that we've all, all fallen short of the glory of God. And so it's, it's mostly just trying to get them to a point where there is a monotheistic God. There's one God and three persons. And that, that he one day became a man and died on the cross so that you could be saved. Like I said, a lot of those guys, like Eladio, even though they believe in their ancient gods, they still understand a little bit of what the Bible is because they have Catholicism and that's something that they grew up around a lot. And so I think the, the important thing is understanding their state as a human, that they're in need of a Savior, and then that there is one Savior and only one Savior that can save you. The Virgin Mary can't save you. Uh, which a lot of Catholics will say, well, I, uh, I revere her. I, I don't worship her, but I revere her. Well, there's only one person really we should revere. That's God himself. It's, it's the same thing. It's, it's all idol worship at the end of the day. Uh, and I think like the situation with Eladio, be able to show him, listen, man, you have this Catholicism. You have these beliefs. And look at how your life is. Uh, you don't have any peace. You don't have any comfort. And the Bible promises peace and comfort through Jesus Christ. Uh, why should I believe your Bible? Well, because it's the Word of God. Uh, if, if I were to explain that to him in, in that sense, if, if I had time to do it, if, it, if it was something I can really sit down and talk to him, I would just say simply that because uh, over the years that it was written, a 1,500-year period with 40 different men, there's no contradictions within it. It is a book unlike any other book um, that, that we have. There's no other comparison to it. And in it, we have the words of life of, of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, who was a historical figure, really lived. It wasn't just a, a myth that the Bible came up with. We see that there's uh, extra biblical accounts of that as well. And so those men that saw it and ex- experienced it are just telling us what they saw uh, You're, this, is, this is basically what I'm looking for. Uh, you and I know that everything depends on putting our trust in Jesus Christ. Yes. But the fact is a man can't trust in something he's not sure about. Exactly. The only way we have of knowing about Jesus is through the Bible. Yeah. So if you can't trust the Bible, how are you going to trust exactly. Jesus? Exactly. Yeah. Now you can pray a prayer and you can pretend and you can be religious and all those things. But you know what that's good for. Yeah, and, and the thing is, if we look at, at them again, like I go back, they're going to have at least, if, if you really get down to it, they're going to say, yeah, the Bible is the Word of God. They're, they're gonna, every Catholic is going to tell you that. I was out witnessing the other day and I knocked on the door and it was a Catholic lady. And she said, look, I'm a Catholic, so I don't want anything to do with you. I said, look, I just want to leave you or John of Romans. And it has the plan of salvation. I said, just a John of Romans. I just want to leave it. She's like, no, give it to somebody who's going to, to really, you know, that's going to be useful for them. And I said, so the word of God's not useful to you? I asked her. And then she was like, oh, no, yeah, yeah. And she grabbed it and took it because she realized that this is the word of God. So I think that the, the in a sense, the advantage, man, I thought there was about to be a duel. Oh, man. I'm just kidding. I think the, the advantage is that even though they have all these ideas, they understand that the Bible is the Word of God and, and that in the Bible uh, it's written what God has to say to mankind. I think I could be able to say that. 
Let's say you get you get you get to sit down with a Catholic, yes, or or whatever with no one. They do you you're able to teach them through knowable facts yeah. that the Bible really is the Word of God. We we're very strong on that here, oh, and, yeah. and anybody that's going to win souls better be. Yeah. Tell me what you're going to tell them to do to be saved. Well, I think that the, the Bible says that anybody who trusts in Jesus Christ, it, it talks about repentance and salvation and trust in Jesus Christ. I know people try to argue with that. I think that the Bible is pretty clear. Repentance, all it is, is that you see your state as a human and realize, man, I, I need a savior. I need God to save me. Uh, it's not quitting all your sin, which I know we can't do. I know that's something that we can't do. It's just simply saying, you know what? Uh, God, I, I'm a sinner. I need you to forgive me. I need to put my faith and trust in you. And how that's done, well, it can be done in someone's personal life that they just talk to the Lord. It can be done uh, through that moment if that person decides, you know what, today is the day I, I want to get saved. I, I decide to do that. Uh, they, can, they can pray to God in that moment and, and ask them to be saved. But I think the Bible is really clear that, that there's nothing we can do other than repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ to save us. All right. Well, you're on the right track uh, about the repentance issue. The Bible doesn't say it tells lost people to repent of their sins. Yeah. It tells them to repent of their dead works. Yeah. Quit trusting in what you were trusting exactly. in and put your trust in exactly. Christ. And it's, it's a very simple thing. I think a lot of people make more of it than what it is. It's just very simple. Well, here's, here's the thing. We, we understand that and we believe that. And then we tell them to pray this prayer and they'll be saved. Mm. Is believing and praying the same thing? Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily. Th- I think that maybe that could be the case because some people pray to God, or at least they say they do, but they're not really believing in what they're saying. They're just taught the same thing. So it's something that the Bible says that if you believe with your heart, thou shalt be saved. It's something that has to come within. Well, what I'm, what I'm asking is, what are you going to tell them to do to be saved? Well, I I tell them that they need to repent of their sins and explain what that is, and then put their faith in Jesus Christ to save them. To trust them as their personal savior and accept the gift that God has for them. Okay. All right. Other questions, Josh. So my question is, um, how do you relate putting your trust into Christ to the Mayan or Spanish people so that they'll understand exactly what that means? Uh, could you kind of... So, for example, um, here in America, a lot of times you can say, like, uh, you believe in Jesus Christ. Well, I believe it's going to rain today. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's yeah, going to yeah. rain. Yeah, there's a difference between believing in and, and believing trusting that. in, yeah. right? So how, how do you relate to them, you know, in, in their culture, what trusting in Christ is versus just, you know, believing that he's, you know, God? I think maybe that the, the way you do that... I think the Bible is pretty simple in how it shows that, first of all, we're, we're sinners and we're in desperate need of a Savior. If someone can realize their status as a human, that they are a sin, they've broken God's law, and therefore they deserve uh, eternity in hell, then, then you share with them, look, that's what you deserve because of your works, and you can't save yourself with your works. Your works can't save you. And it's impossible for you to do anything. The Bible says that no, by the works of the law shall no man be justified. And so if, I think if you can show them, and I think this is the case with any person, uh, if you look through how Paul would, would preach and teach, 
if you show them that they're lost as a sinner, that they're lost in need of a Savior, then it's going to be automatic that they would think, okay, if I can't do it and I'm a sinner, then the thing is that I need somebody to save me. Realizing that the Virgin Mary can't save me. Why? Because the Bible, the Word of God says that no, no man shall come to Christ except for, or shall come to God except for Jesus Christ. And I, I think probably that that's, that's something that's a universal thing that if you toss somebody, if someone can really come to the, the problem is that nobody out in the world that comes to God, unless they realize that they're a sinner, they're not going to come to God. And people that, for example, if you look at Islam, it's the same thing. They'll tell you, well, I have to be good. I have to, my work, good works have to outweigh my, my bad works. It's all the same thing. So if in their mind they think, okay, I have to do certain things for God to love me and for God to accept me, then they're not going to be able to understand what the Bible is trying to tell them. If you can show them, listen, you can't do anything for God to love you. God just loves you out of his love. It's not because of you. It's just because of who God is, and he wants to save you. So I think I would say if you can, this is kind of a a cliche kind of thing that they say, but if you can lose them is whenever you can win them. Once they realize, hey, I'm lost and I need a Savior. I I think that that's something that's universal. A lot of people uh, think and trust in their own selves and their own works and what they can do uh, in order to get saved rather than once they realize, hey, I I can't do this on my own. I need somebody to save me. Well, who is that person? Jesus Christ is the only one that can save me. So I'm going to trust him to save me, and I'm, I'm done believing what I believed before, and I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save me. Oh, and, and one last question. Uh, on the teachings of salvation, uh, do you teach in any way that salvation could be lost in any way once you gain it? I, I don't believe that you can lose your salvation. Um, I, I believe that whenever someone has come to Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is on him, and so he no longer can lose his salvation. So I, I don't believe personally the Bible teaches that you can lose that. Uh, I think that that's something that's a covenant that solely depends on God. And once you've accepted that, then that's, that's something that God keeps, not we. If, it, if we could lose our salvation, I believe that it's, it's by works, pretty much, if you lose your salvation. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Yes, sir. Anybody else? All right, I guess I'll ask, I'll ask a couple more. How are we doing on time? We're good. We're good, yeah. Uh, what's, what's really common here in this country, actually all over the world, with Baptists mm. is that uh, we tell them there's no way that you can do any good works that's going to get you to heaven. Yeah. And salvation is not a works lest any man should boast. And I think we pretty much agree on that and then you tell them that well Jesus will do that for you if you turn from your sins repentance from sins only means one thing that's quit doing it yeah I mean that's all it means is it is it a work to quit sinning I don't know that it's so much of a work but it's uh, that you in that moment have you ever tried to do it oh I mean I guess I've, I've tried to was it easier or was it hard no no it's, it's definitely not something that you can achieve uh, to be able to quit sinning uh, I think that well see this, this is the thing I'm getting to we tell them that Jesus died to save you he paid the whole price and the Catholic said but you got to work at it and you got to do all these sacraments and you got to do all these things 
And then we come along and say, Jesus died for your sins. He paid the whole price. And if you'll quit sinning, he'll do that for you. Do you see a paradox there at all? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't, I don't think that someone can quit sinning in order to get saved. I think when, that when, the... I was uh, a teenager, barely, sitting in the back of a Pentecostal church. And they're real big on quitting sinning. Yeah. They're not good at it, I'll tell you that, because yeah. I was there. But uh, preacher says, if you don't repent of your sin, you're going to hell. I got up and walked out and knowing I'm going to hell because I can't quit sinning. Yeah. I'm about to be a teenage boy. You know any teenage boy that can quit thinking whatever and quit? Yeah. You, what you're telling the man, if you're telling them they got to turn from their sin in order to be saved, you're telling them you're not going to be, you can't do it. Same thing as same thing the Catholics are telling them with the works. Yeah. Jesus, the the Word of God never tells, and I challenge you to study this for yourself. Anywhere does the Word of God tell a lost person? You know, there's only two kind of people from God's perspective: mm-hmm. people who have a relationship, people who don't, lost and saved. Doesn't tell any lost person to turn from his sins. Matter of fact, he says, when we were yet without strength, how's a person with no strength going to turn from his sin? You see, you see where it's going? Yeah. Repentance isn't about turning from your sin unless you're saved. Then it's all about returning, ter, ter, yeah. turning from your sin. Repentance is only about turning from your sin when you're a saved person. What lost persons got to turn from what he's been trusting in those gods you were talking about good works maybe my good will outweigh my bad fate whatever and put your trust this is why hebrews says repentance from dead works Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to teach you how to do it no and we 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 know how to do it but uh we're we're looking for we're looking for somebody who's going to teach people how to be saved instead of telling them pray this sinner's prayer. Yeah, that prayer is not going to do you any good. Yeah. Well, well, and and I just want to say, Pastor, I really do do agree with you in that area, and I think I grew up around a lot of that uh, as a as a child, uh, and then once I started thinking through it, I wasn't a hundred percent on board with just asking somebody to say a sinner's prayer, and I think that. When we look at the Bible and it says that if thou shalt believe in him, it talks about believing in him and, and putting your trust in him. And that's the key. And that only in him, that he's the only one that can save me. You know, and it's, I think that I do, I do you know, uh, agree with you in that. I, I have no problem with that. And as a matter of fact, I, don't, I also would say I'm very uh, skeptical of people who, well, just say this prayer and that person says a prayer. And now it seems like, well, they're saying so. You know, I try to be very careful with that, too. We don't have a very big crowd here this morning, but I'll show you something. How many of you asked Jesus to save you one or more times before you were saved? You see what we're talking about? Yeah. You don't ask people to pray and ask Jesus to save you. You teach them to trust him, to believe. Faith in his blood is what it says. Yeah. You, you know it. Yes, sir. And, and it, 
you know when I quit, you know when I quit t teaching people to pray this prayer? A, a mentor, a good man, he's the author of Basic Bible Truths, Dr. Lester Hudson. I've known him for about 40 years. And he asked me one day when I'm a, I'm a new, I'm starting a new church, I'm a new, new pastor. He said, do people get saved because they pray or do they get saved because they believe? And I said, well, same thing you would say. What would the answer be? Because they believe. Yeah. He said, then why confuse the issue? Yeah. And I've never asked anybody to pray to be saved since. Yeah. And, and I, 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 um, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And like I said, I kind of grew up around that mentality, which probably you did as well, uh, that a lot of people, I guess maybe for the number's sake, I think a lot of that has to do with it. It's, hey, say this prayer. You don't want to go to hell? No, just say this prayer. And I think yeah. that that's a, that's a detrimental to somebody who, who would think that, okay, because I said that prayer, it's now this magical words that I said. And, yeah. Well, know, Jesus promised to draw all men to himself. Yeah. He said, he told us, nobody can come to him except the Father draw them. Yeah. Well, God's doing that in every man's life, mm -hmm. just like in ours. And if you'll find those that are ready, yeah. he's already got them ready. Teach them what the Bible is, and then show them what it says. Yeah. Uh, I have a gift for you before you leave today, by okay. the way. Don't leave without it. Yes, sir. No. Any other questions? Justin. You can handle this after. Yeah. Just wanted to... We, we say all the time that God comes to defining it, kind of flip-flop all over the place. I just want to uh, see your simple definition of how the gospel I is I think the, the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15 is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nailed it. That's what I think it is. So. That's all I was looking for. Everyone goes out there, oh, it's the good news, how all this, and it's like, no. Death, yeah, that's the good news. The good news is there was a man who, who lived, and he died, and he rose again, and that man is the one that because of him, you can have, you can have forgiveness yep. of sins and eternal life. So... Another, another, another. I'd say it's this one on the feedbacking. Another question: uh, What are some of the strategies and methods? If I bring it up, does that? I know how to use it. Um, another, another thing: What's some of the methods and strategies to kind of break in the gospel? So, uh, first, I want to say that I definitely don't know the answer to all of that because I haven't actually been able to live there on a full term, uh, which my desire is to be able to live there eventually. But I, I think that one of the reasons that we had the clinic is for that purpose, that, hey, we're here to help you with a unconditional love. That's our, our clinic's name is Agape Clinics, uh, because we want to help you with an unconditional love. We don't care if you're, if you're a, a white person or if you're a person. We don't care if you're gay or if you're not gay. We want to share with you the Word of God. Now, do we agree with that? No, not necessarily we don't agree with that. But we want to share with you the love of God because nobody else is doing it. Not even the Catholic Church, which they hold to, it does stuff like that for them. So one of the methods, or I guess one of the strategies, I would say, is we try to communicate within the love of God actually through doing something, which Jesus Christ, a lot of times, what he did, what he would attend to the people physically. But the reason he did that was because there was a spiritual problem. He was trying to get to that spiritual problem. And so I, I, the reason that we are doing that is so that we can be able to break that barrier down. Does that work all the time? No, I think that there's a lot of people that we've met, too, that are kind of like, look, I'm a Catholic. I don't want anything to do with you. Uh, but that's why we try to form relationships through that, like that man that I was telling you, Eladio, um, who, who I believe that God has allowed him to come through this situation so that, so that he can start considering the, the fact that the gods that he believes in, 
uh, can't save him and he, he's going to die one day and that only Jesus can save him. And so I, I think that that's kind of what we use. Like I said, once I get down there and I'm able to live among the people, maybe it'll, it'll be something like, okay, I, I realize that this doesn't work, this doesn't work, because I haven't been able to live amongst them like I have here, per se. You know, I just go and visit for a few weeks and then come back. But I, I want to be able to live there on a full term. Yes, brother? Yeah, and your life uh, will be your testimony for Oh, yeah. Definitely. I, I think that that's a really important thing. But Pastor was mentioning something earlier. The, the problem with this church is, uh, which I'm very careful to say it, but now that I've seen the position of this church, uh, is that they're very much about asking people to just say a prayer uh, and they get saved, and, and that's what they, they say it is. And so that, that's the thing that for me, is, I don't really agree with that, so they're probably going to write me off like an outcast when I go down there, but I don't really care. I'm just going to do what the Lord wants me to do. You think yeah. we grilled him enough? Amen. Well, I'll say that, look, this is the first time a, a, a church has done something like that. I mean, they ask me questions, but not necessarily about what I believe in we want Tyler, we want to support soul winners. Yes, sir. And if a man's not, this I, mission field outside these doors is the same one that you got in Mexico. Oh, yeah. Sinners that need Jesus. Yeah. It only comes one way. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I, I do, whenever I'm out and about, if I'm not out with my church actively doing it, if I can at least get something in someone's hand that they can read to consider, to think about. That's yeah. what I try the best that I can do. Cause yeah, that's what I'm going to give you here in just a few minutes. Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome.